Well, hello and welcome to the Profit Express. I'm Tim Healy and I'm inviting you to join me each and every Wednesday so you can be ready to win the battle for business. That's right. Hey, thanks for being on board today. And before we dive in, a big shout out and thanks to our good friends and sponsors at Corbett Public Relations, where they've been promoting and protecting businesses and brands for over 30 years. Listen, Bill and his team, they do a phenomenal job. So do yourself a favor. Connect with Bill. Go to CorbettPR.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T-P-R.com. Welcome aboard, everybody. So here's a question everybody has an answer to. Everybody. <clears throat> what was your favorite toy growing up as a child? Now, I'm sure once I asked that question, you already had one or maybe a few toys come to mind. Was it a Rubik's Cube? G.I. Joe? Rock'em Sock'em Robots, Cabbage Patch Doll. Oh, and the list could go on. For me, it was, it was the game Battleship. I love the game Battleship. And listen, toys aren't just like some, you know, uh, something we had a lot of fun with as a kid growing up, obviously. But toys can elicit great memories. Even, even as adults thinking about when I asked you that question, hey, what was your favorite toy growing up? You know, you probably smiled. It probably brought you back to your childhood. And, you know, even, even as adults, we have our favorite toys. But again, we're not going to be talking about adult toys today. We're talking about the fun type of toys, the toys for kids. And I realized in the history of the Profit Express, in the nearly 14 years of doing the show, I've never had on an owner or president of a toy company. And I figured, well, you know, hey, at least from an outsider's perspective, it sounds like it's a fun industry. Uh, it's an industry I'd love to kind of, you know, dive deep into. So I'm super excited for today's guest. He is Matt Nuccio. He is the president. He's the chief emperor of Design Edge. And they are a leading toy development agency here in New York. And they've got some pretty incredible horsepower, if you will. They've been co-credited for the development of classic toys like Creepy Crawlers and Tickle Me Elmo. So I'm excited to dive into the fun world of the toy industry. And again, never had somebody from that industry on the show ever before. So it's a real pleasure to welcome aboard the Profit Express, Matt Nuccio, Design Edge. How are you today? I'm doing all right, Tim. How are you doing? Uh, listen, I'm, I'm doing well, um, and I just realized, you know, when, when you and I connected, you know, to have you on the show today, I've never had uh, anybody in the toy industry, and I've, this is, we're almost 600 episodes into the show, so you're the first. Welcome aboard. Wow, it's well, I'm excited to be your first. Uh, <laughs> you know, we can have a cigarette after this. <laughs> <laughs> So listen, I, I start off by saying, you know, asking the listeners, hey, what's your favorite childhood toy? And, and so many come to mind for so many of us. Uh, I have to ask you, Matt, what was your favorite childhood toy? Oh, it was uh, crossbows and catapults, which is a game where you just sort of set up some walls and you fire discs into some walls and smash them and destroy them. And uh, of course, Star Wars, because I was prime age for when the, in the first couple of movies were coming out. So, yeah, that, that's, that's me. A lot of BMX. I was a big BMX kid as well. I, I can still consider that a toy. 
Okay, yeah. Hey, listen, if you enjoy it, then absolutely. So crossbows and catapults, I, I've heard about that. That has a kind of medieval flair to it, it sounds like. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, you know, we're a kid in the early 80s. Everything was like D&D, you know. There's right. Dungeons right. and Dragons, Conan, and all that stuff. It was all those, those, that was just so hot back then. Awesome. So, now, let, let me kind of just, let me jump in with the state of the industry. Uh, I think we all know, you know, with, with social media, with electronics, with digital, um, I, I think, and I've read some articles, I've heard some things, you know, obviously how kids interact with and play with toys has changed because of social and digital. So what is the state of the toy industry in 2023? Well, the toy industry, is, it's not going to go away. It's, mm -hmm. you know, it's, you know, play is inherent, right? Children are going to play with toys forever. Um, but yeah, yes, digital does exist, but you know, those are still toys in their own respect, but the market itself has actually grown. You know, there's a lot of expansion of the market because adults now collect toys. Adults play board games. You know, it, it's no longer toys are just for children. Um, so and it's funny how people be like, ah, here, you know, you know, the toys, you know, children don't play with toys anymore. The iPads ruining your business. And then two minutes later, the guy will be telling me about his Funko collection. You know, it's just. You know, everyone's playing with toys today. It's called kid dulting. All right. So it's all right. Certainly not just for kids. Adults are getting into it. Adults are, uh, you know, collecting, et cetera. When did that happen? Is, is that a more new trend? Well, I would say it started in the very late 90s with collectibles. Okay. Really, that's when we started doing like funkier stuff. Like behind me, you can see like run DMC figures and. Things like that, you know, whereas really just like funky stuff that, you know, geeks would want to put in their collection and, you know, not never take out of the package. And it sort of just sort of just kept growing and growing. But it's, you know, it's it's sort of happened in the last 20 years in the United States, but it was happening in Japan forever. You know, I'm sure when you were a kid, you remember hearing that like adults in Japan read comic books and everyone thought that was sort of strange and Right, you know, right. quirky about the Japanese, and and now the number one movies in the United States are always or in the world are Marvel movies, right? Adults so read comic true. books, follow comic book stories. You know, where uh, you go into any Target, you're going to see forty year old men buying Marvel T shirts. You know, <laughs> it's 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 fully ingrained into our culture. We, you know, we are just all big kids, no matter who you are. At, at heart, right? Exactly. Yeah, we we don't outgrow that. Hey, listen, it's yeah. a good thing. So, so that's kind of interesting because I, I really didn't know that. I mean, I knew adults have collectibles and all that. Do you know what percentage of the market comes from adults? Ah, I should, but I don't offhand. Sorry. Okay. No, no. I, I just it, the, the question just occurred to me. Be be pretty interesting. So Japan was ahead of the curve. They had adults reading comic books, you know, long before America. So they kind of, I guess, maybe set the trend over in Japan. Yeah, you know, a lot of early collectibles are Japanese imports. They are. Okay. Now, so in, in doing some research on, and again, the company's Design Edge, you're, you're a New York agency. Uh, yes. You've got some pretty impressive credentials, as I, as I mentioned in the intro, co-credited with, with Tickle Me Elmo and, and Creepy Crawlers, to name just a few. Um, I have to ask, so again... Tickle Me Elmo to me is like one of the iconic toys out there. What was yeah, it like I mean, that's, to be that's a part? One that every, <laughs> uh, well, first it was odd because 
I'm, you know, I grew up in the toy business and I, I worked in that. I was, I was pretty young, you know, I mean, not a kid young, but, you know, early, early 20s. Right. And it was mostly, let's, you know, this is a lot of this pre-digital. It was marker renderings, a lot of drawing, a lot of, you know, just doing variations of it and trying to see what that mechanism could work with. And because it originally came in as a monkey and we were doing it for Tycho at the time. So, yeah, do a whole bunch of drawings, you know, send them in. You know, following year, it gets debuted at Toy Fair, and the year after that, it's all over the place. So it was odd because I almost forgot about it. And that's pretty common because everything we work on, by the time by the time it leaves my hands, it could be two years before it hits shelf. Wait, so let me ask you then. Okay, so you said Tickle Me Elmo comes in, there's, there's sketches, there's drawings. It was originally a monkey. So when did it make the change to be the character that we all know today? Well, Tycho had acquired the Sesame Street license. So we were trying different things. I mean, it was almost, uh, if I recall, I mean, we did a whole bunch of, of Ernie drawings. It was almost an Ernie. Really? And, you know, and Elmo was starting to trend, and everyone was like, well, you know, this new baby Muppet, maybe, maybe that's an ideal for the, you know, for the tickling mechanism and laughing. So, yeah, that's what it was. And then, but we just do a whole lot of drawings, you know, and then they go, it gets to New York Toy Fair. You know, the buyers, everyone sort of gravitated towards it. It got some good buzz. And that holiday season, as you remember, I mean, you could, if you had one, you could have sold it for 300 bucks. <laughs> it was crazy. So now, all right, so so the New York Toy Fair, is, I, I assume it's at the Javits. Is that like the, the, the big show in the industry? It's at the Javits now, but back then it was in the 205th Avenue building. So the toy industry for over 100 years had its own building when oh. it was pretty cool. Yeah, it's okay. now, if you're ever in Manhattan, it's, uh, it's now, if you know where Eataly is, that's that's the same building. So, okay. yeah, we had our, our headquarters, and Design Edge was over there as well, and uh, every major toy company in the world had an office in the in these two buildings that were connected by one air bridge. It was a really exciting place, to be honest. Uh, I loved it. Unfortunately, you know, times change, and things move, and New York City real estate really started to get out of control, <laughs> so <laughs> in the late... In the late aughts, you know, I'd say around 2007-ish, you know, the industry sort of was completely out of that building and just all gravitated towards the Javits Center, which is, you know, what you're talking about now. Right. So, okay, so you have you have the annual, you know, toy fair in the city. Is that, does that make or break a toy? Is that where you, you introduce a new toy and it's it's sink or swim? Is that, is that what happens there? Well... In the era of when we did Elmo, for sure. I mean, that was that was the place to do. But now the world's a little bit different. Toy Fair is important. It's good to get in front of vendors. It's not the it's not the the press event it once was. And that's you know, the, there's so many more ways to get your news and to find out what's hot and what's not than there was you know in the 90s and early 2000s. You know, back then it was you know you had three major networks, right? And if they just all latched onto the same story. Things became yeah. a phenomenon. And, you know, and it happened, you know, Cabbage Patch Kids, another example of, you know, with the news really latching onto something, you know. Since then, I mean, when was the last time you really heard of a, a toy that, you know, parents were getting into fights over? It's, it's not, the world's different. Wow. Okay. Um, so you come across Tickle Me Elmo, you work on it for a few years, it becomes the huge success it has. Now, again, this, this is, is a family run business your your parents started in the 80s right yep so let let me let me ask you this when 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 somebody comes to you and they have an idea for a toy 
do you know right away if it's going to be a hit or not? I no, I don't have a crystal ball in that respect, but I definitely have a sense of if it can if it will get to market, you know, and that's that's the bigger thing because there's only so many spaces, only right. so many SKUs at a Walmart or a Target. So you know, getting an idea, understanding the complete landscape of of, of retail and what's out there, you know, we can we can look at it and we can get an idea. Yeah, but you know, what's going to be a phenomenon? Uh, no, you know, I wish. Okay, so, so so you don't have a crystal ball to that extent. Um, so somebody comes to you, and again, I've never had anybody in the industry on the show, so it's I, I know nothing about the industry. So an excited inventor comes to you. Take us through the process. How do you go from an idea or some sketches to it's it's on the shelf? What, what does that process look sure. like? Sure, so if a toy inventor comes to me and – they want to either license their product or manufacture it themselves. We can help them in either way. So if they want to, if they're entrepreneurial and they want to go the ride and they want us to develop and manufacture and help arrange distribution, we can do that. If they have an idea and they want us to present it to Mattel or Hasbro or Spin Master or any of the giant toy companies, we can do that as well. Mm -hmm. But first, they got to come in here and I got to review. I got to review the product, and I have to make sure that it's something that. I want to get involved in because we only have so much bandwidth. There's only you know so much we could put our focus on, and we, we need to choose items that we feel are going to be successful. Right. So I'll look at it, you know, and it's to me it's not exactly about how well they prototyped it or or their backstory or you know how they tell me you know it's going to also have a comic book and a movie and all that. I ignore all that. I'm just purely focusing on that product, and if I see a potential with that product, you know, then we'll then we'll take it on and then we'll you know we'll just first we'll you know do conceptual drawings like we did with with Elmo and then tighten those up you know do schematics and CADs and prototype stuff and get costing and you know get production samples and and you know get it in front of buyers and it's yeah it's it's a it's a very long and fun road it's, it's kind of crazy <laughs> so uh, but I gotta like it or at least I have to know that I know somebody that would like it but generally the ones that are good are the ones that I go oh yeah I'd buy this you know so that's kind of like your your litmus test. Like if you look at it and say, "I would buy this," then then it's a basic go for you. Yeah, yeah. And but also the other important thing is I have to be feel like I can work with that person. You know, I've passed on items that I just was like, "There's no way I could work with this person. They're, they're, we're just going to clash. We're going to be oil and vinegar." Uh. Um, you know, but if I feel like I can really, you know, get along and have fun and and, and get the product done and get some really good input and be a good yeah a good team. You know, that's that's probably more important to me than the product, because it, it's more common than not to start with one one version of a toy. And by the time we're done, it's completely different. You know, things changed. Really? It's a process. Yeah. 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 It's so like you ever hear I, I liken it to music. You ever hear like a, a demo of a song, like a like a Beatles, Beatles demo, like, you know, it's just John or Paul playing an acoustic. And then you, you compare it to the the final outcome and they're almost completely different songs and different speeds and you know like the final version is a full orchestra and you know you know all these harmonies and the original version is just you know sort of rough maybe you know one verse and a chorus you know it's it's development you know it's gotta we have to incubate these ideas and, and grow them and make sure that they're ready to get out into the world 
So that's interesting. So somebody comes to you, you know, they're the creator of a toy, and I would imagine it's it's to a certain extent it's like their baby, right? Their invention. Is, yep. Do they do they get defensive or protective? You know, because you're advising them, you know, on how to develop it. Is there a clash? In that oh, I mean, side? usually, I mean, my 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 favorite thing to do is to tell them that their baby is ugly. No, um, but no, but seriously, <laughs> I, I have to. I have to. It's. People can get, I've had people get very upset when I tell them I'm not interested. Uh, and then they'll try harder and they'll try to talk me into it. And, right. you know, I've had people mail me gifts and, you know, and, and, you know, at one point somebody put somewhere on the internet that I liked rum and I don't drink rum. But all of a sudden I was getting like inundated like a couple of times a year with like, you know, people sending me rum to try to, I'm like, where is this coming from? Like somebody on some forum said that I liked rum. But it was, it was funny. But uh, yeah. So people try to convince me in multiple ways, but I'm like, you can try to convince me all you want. If I don't get it, I don't get it. And, you know, I'm just not the right guy for you. You got to find somebody else to do it that's going to believe in it. I'm, I, right. you know, I'm, you know, I'm a, I have to be emotionally tied to it. You know, I'm going to be spending a lot of time developing this product. So, so that's, well, all right. So let me go back to this. So if somebody does want to bribe you, what, what is it that you drink or like that they should send to you? I think it could be a good reference okay. point. Well, you know, like, the, you know, high-end tequilas, um, but those, those would go over well. You know, that, that's fine with me. Okay. <laughs> so for you listening out there who want to get Matt's attention, it's not rum. It's <laughs> high-end tequila. Or like Casamigos, yeah. so that maybe be something that you Yeah, yeah, in? yeah. Listen, you know, okay. And then every time I ring that little bell, I'll be like, ah, oh, yeah, this is an amazing <laughs> toy. <laughs> So, no, but you, you, you said, all right, so there's two things that are interesting. So you have to, you, you said that, hey, I might pass on somebody if, if I don't get along with the inventor because you're getting into a business relationship that could be a couple of years. So that relationship is, is a key element, number one. Well, it's not um, even that, I could rephrase that a little bit. It might okay. not even be that I don't get along with them. They could be the sweetest person or funny or somebody mm -hmm. that I would totally hang out with them on the weekend. But mm -hmm. if I don't feel they're going to be able to take this roller coaster, or it's going to break them, or they're going to, you know, totally lose their proverbial shit over things. Like, yeah, I always feel like I have to, I have, you know, I have to be able to protect them. They don't realize this. It, it sounds like, oh, I'm going to make a toy. This is going to be fun. I'm like, no, this is big business. We're dealing, <laughs> you know, in billions of dollars and fighting for retail space. You know, it's going to be ups and downs, and and you're going to go through the ringer. You know, you're opening a business. You're not just coming up with a toy and just in two weeks from now, it's going to be the hot thing at, at, at Target. It's no different than, you know, starting a restaurant. You, there's going to be moments yeah, where you're yeah. like, I hope people come in today. You know, it's, it's and most just like, just like most restaurants fail within their first year. You know, many toys don't, don't take either, you know, and, and why is that? It's so many factors. And that's why when you first come in, I have to feel like, I like I've, I've mitigated a lot of the 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 market and I can look at them and I can say this product stands a chance, you know, but if you if you came to me with an idea for a restaurant that just did peanut buttered flavored jellos on hot dog buns, I'd tell you it's not viable. Probably not a good idea. Yeah, no. yeah. Although maybe it is. I got to go home and make that and see actually if it tastes any good. So jelly in, in flavored marshmallow and hot dog buns, was that your idea? Yeah, I just made that up on the spot, so it might okay. actually work. Yeah, I thought so. to, yeah. yeah. I don't know, you know, maybe... but if you uh, if you sold it in front of a weed dispensary, you probably make some money. You know, <laughs> timing and location, 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 location. <laughs> so now, somebody comes to you, 
they, you know, is I started the show by saying, hey, it's it's a it's a fun, from the outside, it's a fun industry. You know, I'm not involved it in it. So, but but there is the reality and the seriousness of you know a, a multi 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 billion dollar industry worldwide, obviously. And you have to like they come to you with these romantic notions. You know, I've got this toy; it's going to fly you up the shelves, and I'm you know I'm going to be rich and famous. And then you kind of bring them down to reality. Are they ready? And I'm quoting you: Are they ready for the roller coaster ride of making a toy? It's inventing is a hard business. It's right. It's something like ridiculous. I think Edison Nation did a poll, and it's like something crazy. Like ninety percent of inventors believe that they're going to make $5 million off their idea, mm-hmm. you know, but the reality is 3% make it to market. And of all inventions, 3% make it to market. Yeah. Well, people who, you know, view themselves as inventors, but it's, it's like acting too. Like how many actors think they're going to make it and they're just, you know, waiting tables, you know, wow. just so Hollywood's full of that, right? And, wow. That's so you got to align yourself with the right people, you know, that's, you know, which is, you know, why we're strong, because we review stuff and we make sure that it's going to, it's, we, we, we have a very good batting average because I don't just take whatever walks through the door, you know, so you're, and, you're, you're and discriminate, bad right? product also dilutes me. I have to be careful with that. You know, if I just keep releasing, you know, failures, it, it's, it's like, again, like the music business is, it's, you know, you have a bunch of, you know, bomb songs so no one's going to buy your albums. Uh, yeah. After a while, yeah, your reputation's shot. It's ruined. So yeah. the business started in the 80s with your parents, family-owned business. Um, who was, so it was mom and dad. What did you learn from dad about the business, and what did you learn from mom about the business? Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, I should really just tell more of the story of like how the business sort of came about, and that sort of answers those questions as we go along. So my Sure. My father was in the toy industry. He started in, back in 1969 working for Ideal Toys. Mm-hmm. And, and then he went, hopped around a little bit and ended up at a company called HG Toys, which made a lot of like dress-up stuff and puzzles and you know, a, lot of, a lot of TV license stuff. He wanted like a Chips playset or Dukes of Hazard or Welcome oh, yeah, Back yeah. Carter. It was, you know, they, they did all, <laughs> the, all those crazy, funky stuff. Yeah. Um, and then he was there until 87 when the company got acquired. And he didn't want to go, and he started doing freelance out of the garage. And my mother was, was an illustrator and an art teacher, and so they just started working together. And you know, my sister and I were drafted from day one and started out of the garage. And <laughs> <laughs> so what I learned from both of them was like the hustle. Like you know, I, I don't really, I don't give up. We never really had an opportunity to like just like lounge around, especially those first few years. Like we didn't have vacations or breaks you know we we worked especially this time of year in the old days new york toy fair used to be in february so i'd have my christmas break and we'd be working on on samples Uh, that's what we'd be doing and in college you know you you get off all of january all my friends would come back all well relaxed i'd be stressed to the max because i just spent a month working 10 hour days (laughs) like you know building stuff so uh yeah so I, i learned work ethic from both of my parents you know, my, my father really just taught me a lot about manufacturing, about engineering, about, you know, just the the, the, the skills required to be a strong designer in the toy industry. Mm-hmm. My, my mother taught me, you know, you know financials and, and, and illustration 
and and you know also how to you know <laughs> be a more charming person my father's a very funny guy but he's very aggressive and, and, and uh, <laughs> short-tempered sicilian and my mother's like one of those people like you can't even tell if she's angry <laughs> like you know she's wow. very even killed so a lot of people say I, I look like my father um make jokes like my father but i have my mother's temperament so well as, as you've described it that's a that's an awesome balance so Y your mom kind of helps soften your dad's edges a little bit, it sounds like. Oh, yeah, for sure. To this day, now, yes. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so funny how the classic American startup, it's like it almost by default has to involve a garage somewhere. And, and, yeah. you, <laughs> and, and, and you guys are no different. So you said you had a sister, right? So you and your sister were, were kind of drafted, you know, early on? Yeah, yep. She went to, uh, she was a couple of years older than me, and she was going to uh, the School of Visual Arts in Manhattan at the time when the okay. business started. And uh, yeah, and she was in it for quite quite a bit of time. I think she left around 2000 ish because she got married, you know, started having kids, and then sure. moved up to Westchester and didn't really want to be involved in it. So I chugged along, and my, uh, my, my cousin works here too, and, you know, he's sort of my right hand man. So it's still, uh, we call it the other Italian family business. <laughs> Thank you for the distinction. I appreciate that. Uh, so, all right. So your dad is an executive, bounce around a little bit. Company gets acquired. They don't want to move. He wants to stay in, in New York with family. Starts out on his own, makes that big, you know, dive into the deep end, you know, called startup. What was the first breakthrough where, you know, the toy that- Oh, we launched launch quick. So, like- Really? So, right. So, so my father, you know, he jumped ship from HG Toys and mm -hmm. so do a few other people. And those few other people start other toy companies like Toy Biz and Toy Max and, and, and those companies rose to prominence pretty quickly. And we were their art departments. Like we became their art departments. So we're in the garage maybe a year or two. And then all of a sudden we're in, we're in Manhattan. We have our own office there. And then as the toy building became more showrooms, and and less in less office space we moved back out onto long island companies started growing my parents you know sell their little house and then they you know moved moved to a house in the water and their life just their life you know their life changed we were just we were working on massive projects with, with big toy companies you know i'm you know 19 years old you know building aircraft carriers smashing through walls at the matchbox showroom like you know it's like unreal stuff it was crazy you know and it's and it's and still to this day like we work on some things i'm like i don't know how i got in this position but we work on some pretty damn cool stuff all the time uh and, and you know people come to my office and their eyes are just like you know giant wide like you worked on that and you worked on that i'm like yeah but i forget what we've worked on it's 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 crazy this stuff sitting around like you know it, it's it's just, you're just a kid in a toy store here it's uh, lots of eye candy <laughs> But so, it's not me. I'm not the eye candy. <laughs> thanks for letting us know. Um, now, all right. So I've got nice legs. You do. Okay. Um, so you, you you like high end tequila and you have nice legs. Okay. That that's good. <laughs> right, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey. And listen. You, you know. You you are. You know. A, a, a toy mogul with nice legs who has an appreciation for tequila. <laughs> you know. Who, who wouldn't want a piece of that? Um, so you were, f it's based on the story you've just told, 
you know, your dad had the connections, which always helps in business, and he was networked because of where he worked. So you guys started succeeding relatively quickly. If you, I mean, you're saying a couple of years. That's that's a relatively well, quick trajectory. Yeah, well, because my dad was very aggressive, and and he was fortunate enough that the guys that were starting these toy companies, he was already equal with them back when they worked at HG. So he was never the let's just hire a schlub designer. He was like the kind of guy who he would turn our, we'd have clients, big clients that would hire us. And I swear my father would just like turn them in like they were his employees. He would be telling them what really? to do. You know? Really? Yeah. And, and, that, that, and because he had a wealth of knowledge and he knew what he was doing. And, and so people would just lean on us and be like, we need these lines developed. And they just hand us the keys and just say, go and run. And we got that reputation and we maintain that reputation. We still, our, our go-to studio for massive projects. You know, people will say, like, why would a big toy company hire you? Don't they have their own art department? They do. But we can run parallel with them or we can take on special projects and, and we can take it from A to Z and and get it done and do it at a, at, and do it not just uh, effectively, but also design it to a, an ideal retail price So because we know all the different sides of the toy industry. And these days, even like when I take like entrepreneurs who want to start up, not only do we design it and manufacture it, I arrange distribution for them. I I know the buyers at retail. I know, work with all the sales reps. I realized a few years ago I could connect, I could take somebody from the street and get them to the to retail shelf, you know, and not many people can do all that and at one stop, you know. It's not like I'm farming things out to everybody. You know, we're designing it, we're manufacturing, we're overseeing it. You know, we're, I, so I trademarked uh, your toy company for hire because that's what we are. We're a toy company for hire. So it's it sounds like basically each phase of development from inception to shelf, you guys cover in, in yep. one way, shape. Okay. Um, I want to go back to your dad. He sounds like an interesting guy. Twice you described him as aggressive. And it sounded like <laughs> <Yes>. because, of, <laughs> because of his experience, he had confidence in what he did, and he, he could talk to clients, and they, they bought in. And we know confidence is, is key. W was he the one who was doing, who was really selling the company in the beginning? Was that more of his forte? No. Well, yes and no. We were never, and still aren't, built to have like a sales force internally. Like, okay. I'm become by default the face of Design Edge. But I'm like, my job isn't sales. I'm still a designer and right. an engineer and, and developing stuff. Uh, so, but my father also was just sort of the face of the business. But it was also different times. And in some respects, I, I kind of feel like my mother got screwed over a little bit. It was, you know, too much the old glass ceiling effect where, you know, even though my, my mother and I, the ones who worked on Tickle Me Elmo, you know, my mother did the lion's share of that development and, and, and really? renderings. But, you know, but she doesn't really get as much credit as she as she should, you know, because the industry, especially back then, was sexist, you know. Was it really? Didn't really want to deal with it. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, okay. Different so, times. So, so if your parents started today, your mother would, would, would uh, you know, be set up in a different way. Yeah, for sure. Wow, and so so. I mean, now that, but again, not to discredit my father, he's very talented in his own right. You know, they they were course. good yin and yang, and they were definitely my. You know, my mother came to meetings. My mother did everything she's supposed to do. But you know, at the end of the day, you know, people were like, you know, oh, we got some design stuff to do. Get Mark Nucci on the phone. And, you know, it was never you know didn't call for my mother. They called for him. You know, yeah, the old boy stuff. You know, like a, I always call him at the old school cigar chomping, 
you know, yeah. that type yeah. of like, you know, like, hey, let's get some toys made, you know, popping on a cigar. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 Very but, different than the corporate world today. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. In the 80s compared to 2023, you, you got that right. Yeah. But so, but you're giving your mom quite a bit of credit. You said she was responsible for a lot of the development of Elmo, if I heard that right. Well, I mean, Elmo was developed by a lot of people. So I'm just saying, and what we did here at Design yeah. she was she was the lead on that. Yes. I never, I can never take, you know, credit for Tickle Me Elmo. You know, we, we can take credit for working on it and being in the development yeah. team. It, it, you know, the, the toy business, so many people work on stuff. You know, it, it's, yeah. there's, it's, it's, we're not just, you know, not an artist who just like sculpted it and put it out there. You know, there's, there's teams and marketing is sure. involved and, sure. you know, and, yeah. It's sales and you know it's hundreds of people will touch a product you know all right so so as as you've described you know design edge and what you do you've mentioned a lot of functions okay what is it that you enjoy most doing new product development that's what i like the most it's really just getting a product from concept and birthing it getting it you know from a wet napkin drawing to the retail shelf. I like that entire, that entire process, you know, and, and really, you know, thinking things through and, you know, doing the design and doing the engineering and, and creating the packaging and, and then, you know, getting reps and, and buyers excited about something. I, I get, I just like the whole damn process. It's, I, 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 and, you know, we have, you know, we have a bunch of accounts, so I'm, I'm going through that range of emotions daily on, on different levels I've you know, I can, you know, talk to somebody who's just pitching me their idea in the morning, and at, you know, an hour later, I'm try trying to convince a rep that he should take on a line that of something that we developed, you know, earlier in the year, and yeah, and then you know, and then there's, you know, where the whole team's drawing up ideas and, and developing stuff, you know, all day long, and you know, I come in and you know, we review stuff and you know, and edit stuff and rearrange stuff and try to make sure it's the it's the best damn toy it can possibly be. Mm. Now, now, one thing, I've done a number of shows on the Profit Express, uh, Made in America. It's, it, it's a fascinating topic for me. Uh, on your website, you know, that's part of what you guys do, you know, whether it's, it's here in the U.S. or I believe you also mentioned China. I mean, we, we could do a whole show just on the manufacturing end, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, um, but, yeah I'm sure. Do multiple yeah. shows. <laughs> so, so how do you compare toy manufacturing in america versus the u.s all right so this is i have i'm very versed in this and i can answer this we have to remember that you know after in after the war a lot of manufacturing started going to japan right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it was basically simple manufacturing and then the japanese were already producing toys for you know for their own market so one of the first things to be mass produced and brought to the u.s was made japan toys you know and then, then it moved over to, you know, made in, made in Taiwan, yeah. then, you know, made in Hong Kong, and then, you know, eventually made in China. Um, and so these, this cost structure of low price point toys is so ingrained now that it's very difficult for the U.S. to ever really compete. Because, yeah, some products have moved to China more recently, last 20 years, something. This is, you know, this is nearly 70 years of, of manufacturing mm -hmm. toys in Asia, it's, mm -hmm. you know, again, one of the first products categories to be produced overseas. So, uh, it's, so in that respect, it's very difficult. We just don't have the infrastructure for it here. We can make certain things. We make, you know, basic, simple injection molded type stuff in the States. Uh, we do some printing, some games, some puzzles can be done here. 
But, you know, it's very difficult to say, you know, mass produce an action figure and have it decoed here. You know, just finding somebody, a skilled labor force to do the paint jobs alone is is really next to impossible. Yeah, it, it just people don't want to do that type of work. You know, I, you know, do you want to work in a factory and, and, and paint uh, G.I. Joe's all day? <laughs> that's that's a, that's a very good way of answering that question. Um, so here's here's a, a a question. You know, you said that. Listen, there's there's always going to be toys. You kids still play with toys. You know, adults are playing with toys and collecting toys. But has the industry seen? the way kids play with toys or the kind of toys that kids are looking for different, you know, Hey, I grew up in the seventies. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit older than you. you said you're an eighties kid. Are, are the trends and the habits different from when we were growing up? No, I would really? say no, which I would definitely get fought with on that one. Uh, I find that all the crazy stuff that people try to incorporate into toys always fails, right? So every, every item that we've, that I've seen where they try to incorporate, you know, digital into toys and or, or put, you know, augmented reality into toys. It generally just doesn't. I haven't seen an item be truly successful doing that. Kids use their imagination. They'll pick up a stick, right? Yeah. You know, the number one selling toys are, are like take Hot Wheels, for instance. I mean, it's a ridiculous amount of Hot Wheels. It, it's just a simple toy. Kids are going to roll it on the ground and they're going to make their car sounds and that's that. You know, and adults yeah. are going to collect them. A good solid toy does both. It can be played by Hot Wheels is a great example. You can buy a Hot Wheels for your two-year-old, and there's probably some 40-year-old guy living in his mother's basement who's got a wall like this behind him <laughs> of just Hot Wheels cars. Wait, right? do you live in your mother's it, basement? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, no, no. And that would be funny if this actually was like a, you heard like a, a, my mother screaming at <laughs> the meatloaf's done. Right. <laughs> Matthew, come up for dinner. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, so, so great toys can be played by a five-year-old and collected by an adult. That's, that's a great way to put it. Um, so again, at the end of the day, a, a kid knows what they enjoy, having fun, and being creative and using imagination. So the more they complicated it, it doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, like here's, this happens to be here. So this is weird because it's actually me. So Funko. You familiar with Funko Pops? Yeah, 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 yeah. So my kids have walls of these. This, ha this actually happens to be of me. Funko made me an award uh, a little while ago. Wow. Uh, and they made a Funko Pop of myself. But um, but again, simple. There's nothing going on here. This is just injection molded plastic. And and that's that, you know? Yeah. But, you know, but times change. Like, I mean, I have some old HG stuff that my father used to work on. And I think it's hysterical. Like, hold on. Like, like uh, every kid wants the Serpico playset. <laughs> Yeah. But look at these guns. Can you like am I getting on camera here? The no, gun in this go thing the other is way. Like, there you go, there yeah. you go. Yeah, yeah. Look at that. You get shot walking down the street with that toy gun these days. That that's a real gun. That yeah, is yeah. A, and then here's this... a here's a chips set. Look at this this gun on this one too. Again, like oh, that's yeah. like Yeah, ridiculous. You know, okay. Yeah. All right. Now, all right, now we're talking about memories and the emotion of toys. And, and you know, so I'm, I'm a boy, and the, two of my favorite guns. I mean, I, the, a game I love, Battleship. Love playing Battleship. And then I got Battleship's two, awesome. It was a great game. I, there was two guns I was given, okay? One is still in my bedroom at my parents' house. 
It is a wooden, like a bolt-action World War One rifle with a gold bullet. We still have. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I awesome. remember those. Did you remember those, right? And then oh yeah, I, I know I, the I, cocking I, lever with the little wooden yeah. bullet in there. Totally look like a real gun. This one's cool. Check out this. I, like I have. A, yeah, go ahead. This, this this was made by Mattel. Oh, full-on Tommy gun. Yes. I had an M I had a black M16. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, you can't sell these anymore. If, again, if I had just walked in, if I walked into a gas station carrying this, I'd get shot dead. <laughs> <laughs> I had, and you know the the M the classic M16, all black. I had it, and there was no orange tip back in the day. It was just yeah. a full on gun, and the sound it made. I played that thing till my finger got like red raw. I'm telling you. Oh yeah, we we all did. I mean, I I played a lot of war too. It just it's times and but now like you know the. Like, while our guns looked real, they didn't function. Now, these right. Nerf guns don't look real, but they're a hell of a lot more effective. You can have a full-on battle. Or these gel blasters. I mean, again, there's some hit toys that, that you know, people are like, what are kids playing with today? Have you seen these gel blasters? They're insane. They're really cool. Like, you just fill these guns up. They'll shoot little gel pellets, like, no tomorrow, nonstop. They're sick. And Nerf, what they've done in the last 20 years... Oh I mean, my God. We're, we're at a level of engineering that's like NASA level at this point. It's crazy. <laughs> well, it's like with the BB gun, you can lose an eye. I mean, you got to be careful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Now, I don't know if you can answer this question, but I, I, I have to ask it. Was there a toy that the inventor came to you and you're thinking to yourself, man, this is, this is a dud. This is not going to do anything. And you send them on their way, and it becomes a hit. Luckily, no. Okay. But, the, but, but not a toy. But there was uh, the Pop Socket guys came to me early on, to, and I was like, I was like, that's annoying. Why, why would I want this little thing on the back of my phone? It's just going to get jammed up in my pocket. So I turned them down. Really? So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. That's a regret. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh man, this, this, wow, this is, it's funny as, as I'm talking to you and there's the video and I can obviously see, you know, just how the expression on your face, you know, when, when you're pulling these, the, the Funko, the Serpico set for any of the gun and all <laughs> that, and just, just the pure joy of all that. And, and Matt, as I'm talking to you, I'm, I'm just, you know, I, I watched growing up and I'm dating myself a lot of, you know, World War II movies and John Wayne and it's, you know. It was cops and robbers, you know, cowboys, Indians. It was World War II stuff. And remember, remember those green uh, army figures, and we used to tie firecrackers to them. And blow oh, yeah. them up. Green army men, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. man, hours of fun with that stuff. Um, oh, yeah, I mean, because we're 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 of the age where we were feral children. Yes, we could uh, <laughs> exactly. get away with whatever we wanted. Yeah, yeah, and we're still we're, we're still here to tell the story. Let me talk a little bit. We, we, we've talked about so much. This has been an awesome conversation so far, Matt. Thank you. Um, toy stores. In 2018, the iconic you know, chain Toys R Us, 735 stores closed. Um, yep. FAO Schwartz was a KB Toys. Where are toy stores nowadays? Well, first, Toys R Us didn't close because there was a lack of market. The market was there. It was just over-leveraged by the by the people, you know, the hedge funds that owned it. Yeah, and they had a lot of made debt, a real yeah. estate play. Yeah. Yeah, okay, okay. So, um, but Toys R Us is coming back. It's, uh, they're opening, I mean, they just, there's 
they're opening them all over the country. There's some big plans for it. Um, but yeah, there's, you know, support your local mom and pop shop. I mean, that's really, you know, that's, that's the place you should be buying toys. Cause you know, there, there's some great specialty toy stores all over the, all over the country where, you know, they, they go and they, they work hard to curate a good line for their community. So, mm. you know, rather than go to Walmart and Target, you know, first, you know, befriend your local toy shop and, and get to know what, what they're, what they're peddling. Uh, but of course, Target and Walmart have increased their, their footage of toys as well. And, you know, Barnes and Noble has a great toy section. I mean, there's there's plenty of places to buy toys. So it's 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 not as dire as, as you would think, but you know, you always, you know, and I'm I'm with you as far as supporting, you know, the local community compared to the big box stores. Um, mm -hmm. Cause I'd have to imagine somebody who's got a retail shop, an independent retail shop, has to be, you know, passionate for toys like you are. Oh yeah, I, I know some great independent retail shop owners all over the country that you know i've never stepped foot in their stores because they're you know they're in the middle of you know you know wisconsin or, yeah, or yeah. illinois or you know somewhere in arizona but you know i i know them from trade shows and, and i know their reputations and i see them you know on linkedin you know talking about they can make or break a toy specialty is really where things get incubated you know you get a, an item that the specialty toy stores like and they get behind it you can you can that can blow up into it's just that's the ultimate that's what you want that's the best way to get the critical mass to start at the base you know the underswell because a lot of the mass toys if you get into mass immediately and you're just a you know a startup or an independent you're never going to have the marketing dollars to compete against the the mattels the legos the hasbros of the world so you need you know that underswell of people who just word of mouth told each other about this great toy or this great game that they found and that starts at specialty when the owner of the store goes, "Hey, have you seen this amazing Serpico playset?" <laughs> <laughs> so, so if, if if you get picked up like so, that, that's like a toy influencer, and then that and then that oh, explodes yeah. on social, and that, and that and that could be your ticket. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right, a, tr a trip. And I have question. conversations I with these guys. I call them to find out like what the, what's going on. You know, I, I like to speak with these these small shop owners because. You know, they're the lifeline. Right, yeah, they, they, they have a finger on the pulse in a unique way. Um, interesting trivia question. I don't, I'm asking you, I don't know. Um, greatest selling toy of all time. Do you know what it is? I'm just curious. Uh, I still think that's, uh, I, I do think it's Hot Wheels. Is it Hot Wheels? I mean, the amount that they sell on an on a annual basis, it doesn't really, hasn't slowed down since its inception. I mean, I don't know that for a fact, but. You know, everything else you might, you know, you might go, oh, it was a tickle me. I'm like, no, because it was a blip. I mean, it yeah. was really hot for like a year. You know, most toys are fashion. You know, it, it's hot for a season or two and then forgotten about. What about Legos, though? I mean. Oh, yeah. Legs, yeah. Well, they are, they, they are or they were, I have to check, the largest independently owned uh, toy company. Really? Yeah, the Lego, yeah, for sure. But I don't, you know, I think of, uh, you know, Legos have its ups and downs, you know. It, it's uh, it's obviously it's iconic product, of course. So, but, but Hot Wheels has been that that consistent. I mean, I know growing up as, as a kid, every every kid had twenty or thirty of them at least. You, you yeah, know, listen, I'm sure. sure we could Google this or ask ChatGPT and get this <laughs> yeah. answer in two seconds. Right? <laughs> so, Matt, let, it's it's been a great conversation. Um, it's been fun for me. I, I mean, you know, ha having a, a toy executive, a toy business owner on on, on the show today 
Let's take it back because it's the Profit Express. We talk about, you know, winning the battle for business and it's like having people like you on who can share your experiences, you know, that apply to all business owners, not just the toy industry, obviously. But so as you look back from your involvement with your folks in Design Edge when you got, you know, uh, recruited, you know, to work in the garage back in the day, as you look back, if you had a do-over, with Design Edge, what would it be? I wouldn't do anything over it. Does, you know, it is what it is. It's it's fun. You know, we we have a good ride. I' very fortunate that I have one of those jobs where I don't feel like I, I'm, I'm stressed or I hate it or I just can't wait to get home. Like you know, I got into the office today at about I don't know seven fifteen. You know, yep. it's seven twenty five. I'm still at the office. Like you know, I'm, it, <laughs> you know, I like I have a giant playground here. It's like we have a sound studio. I've got a whole place where my band can come and jam we've got you know video <laughs> and, and and all this model making equipment and 3d printing and vacuum forming and you know it's 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 a my job is a playground you know so there's so, nothing so that would you, change so you don't want to go home is, is the answer to really what it is it's too much fun yeah well i mean i i will have to go home at some point because you know i have these two little kids that like like me they call me dad <laughs> for some reason i don't know if that's all about but uh <laughs> awesome uh, Matt, it's 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 been a great conversation. Uh, people follow you, want to contact you. What's what's the best way to connect? Yeah, I mean, you can email me at matt at designedge.net. Uh, a lot of people follow me on LinkedIn. I have a good LinkedIn uh, following, so you can reach me there as well. Uh, obviously, the designedge.net is our website. Uh, you know, if it's if it's a nice day, some smoke signals might help. But you know, any any way you can get a hold of me. Gotcha. Find us in the. Find us in the yellow pages if you're old school. Just... <laughs> yeah, the yellow pages. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> wait, one last quick question. All right. So I also found out that there's a potential. There's a show that it, you're you're percolating. Anything yeah, you wanna, yeah. So you I wanna, signed a deal with, uh, with. Yeah, so I signed a deal with, uh, with with Donna Drake there and her production company to do our own TV show called Toys of Our Lives, where I'm going to be sitting down, similar to the way you are right there. With yeah, celebrities yeah. and talking about the toys that made them into who they are, you know, and just chat away, you know, figure out like, like, for instance, Battleship was your game. Yeah. Think about it. Think about your career choices. Is, is Battleship actually explain your personality? Are you an, are you an aggressive guy who's just sort of throwing things everywhere, <laughs> trying to hit something <laughs> successfully? If, if you ask my wife, I will not answer that, but if you ask my wife that question, <laughs> She would say, absolutely, yes, so, yep. as a good indicator. <laughs> <laughs> but it is amazing, though, when people tell me what their favorite toys are, you can see it in their person. Once they say it and you look, you look at them, like, it's their personality. It makes complete sense. Wow. So the toys you play as a child could be a future indicator of where you end up as an adult. Yeah, or, yes, I would say that. But it, you know, obviously, you play with a lot of toys, but it's, it's your yeah. favorite toy, I would say. Because right. you can't just look at a kid playing with a toy and they be like, oh, my God, the kid's a serial killer, right? Like, you know, just because, like, you know, like, you know, you know, if you told me your favorite toy was your toy machine gun, I'd be a little, you know, a little more nervous, you know. <laughs> so so it's, it's Toys of Our Lives is, is, is the show. You're going to have a celebrity a twist on it where, you, you know, you want to know what their favorite toys are. Yeah, so we'll sit down with celebrities in studio. You know, we'll, we'll we'll show them their favorite toy. You know, and, yeah. and 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 you know, we'll have bigger conversations. But so they might tell me their favorite toy was. I don't even know what I have lying around here. You know, depending on how old they are. Uh, 
Yeah, I gotta look around. So sorry, I don't know much stuff sitting around here. No, here's one, that, but no, the audience won't know this because this is really rare. But they love the TV show Vegas. <laughs> like you know, like I have a lot of toy gun sets here. That might speak volumes of how demented I am. But um, but yeah. So we'd sit there, we discuss what what they loved as a child. I'd I, we'd get a version of it presented to them, so they'd be like, "Oh, I haven't seen that since I was you know ten years old." Get yeah. excited. And then, you know, and then talk about, you know, how it affected their career and then talk about where their career is at now. And then yeah, yeah. maybe show them some new toys, maybe show them some toys based on them. Like, you know, if they had a movie role and they actually made some action figures of them or, you know, and just take it from there. And also we'll do another segment where we're actually going to go to toy stores and buy gifts for the next guest. So we'll, with one celebrity, buy toys for another celebrity. Oh. That I like that idea. That's a cool idea. That's a very, very cool idea. Uh, so, so Toys of Our Lives hits the road going to your local toy store. Um, listen, Matt, this has been a great conversation. Um, listen, just talking to you, I started, you know, reliving all of the toys that I had. In, and uh, listen, as an adult, you kind of forget how much how much damn fun it is, man. This oh, is, yeah. This is and I'm a little listen. I do love what I, I do for a living. Right. Uh, but listen, as, as a sales trainer and coach to corporate America, not nearly as fun. So I am a little jealous, man. I am a little jealous. Well, maybe. You know, and after this conversation, all of a sudden you'll start telling people your favorite game was Monopoly. <laughs> yeah. Instead of Battleship, right. Or, or an M16 machine gun. Uh, Matt, listen, right. thanks again so much for being on board. Um, it was a great conversation. Thank you, sir. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much. You got it. And this is the Profit Express. And don't forget to follow us, like us, uh, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. You know the deals at the Profit Express, at Profit Express, and hit that notification bell. But more importantly, keep tuning in each and every Wednesday for great shows like the one I just had with Matt Nuccio, who is president and found, well, co-founder. It's a family-run business of Design Edge, who quite frankly has probably one of the most cool jobs of any guest I've had on the show. And until next time, this is the Profit Express, and let's continue to win the battle for business. <laughs>